Yona Sound should just come back, but they provide other strengths and more depth, which is good. Uh, the downside, I'd say, was is that the three-pointers continue not to fall, um, and at some point they're going to need one or two of those non-Lowry, Ibaka, or Miles guys to develop into reasonable options from there, and that's yet to happen. Well, do I have good news for you? The Denver Nuggets uh, keep teams away from the rim better than any other team in the NBA, but they're fine to let you fly from, from outside. So, you know, maybe the Raptors can get 35, 40 attempts. In. You know, finally, the variance will break their way. As much as they're not a strong shooting team, they're not going to shoot 30% on a high volume of this all year. Uh, you know, DeLon Wright is not going to go one for 13. Norman Powell will eventually start hitting them. Um, and the fact that, yeah, Lowry, Miles, and Ibaka are taking like 16 or 17 combined uh, speaks well to their potential shooting team. Eventually, the volume will probably come down. You mentioned the defense. How dare you leave out Bruno Caboclo, who, through seven <laughs> minutes into appearances, has a 43.2 defensive rating? Yeah, my bad. Yeah, that, uh, is, that is less than half the defensive rating of the next best player on the team. I would know that if the computer I'm currently using was able to load NBA.com without taking uh, 25 minutes. It, it would also require you to look for that number, which uh, is probably I, not something most people are going to do when it comes to Boko Boko's seven minutes play. I look at, at on-offs and, and net ratings pretty frequently, so I think I might have done that and then tweeted about it uh, by now if I had my normal computer. Um, diving into the defensive ratings the team has and through se through six games these are very small samples obviously um lucas Oguera has the best net rating on the team which is probably because the most of his minutes this season have come in that portland game he was terrific by the way getting hands in passing lanes protecting the rim finishing on lobs for career high 17 points and him and Jakob purtle actually helped the raptors win the rebounding battle quite handily against a very strong rebounding portland um, so encouraging signs from Oguera. norman powell and OG Ananobi are your next two for defensive rating. When those two have been on the floor, the Raptors have allowed just 91.7 points per 100 possessions. It's terrific. Uh, Norman Powell has struggled on the offensive end outside of the opener, but I thought he's done a really, really good job uh, defensively. He did a good job on CJ McCollum the other night, I think holding him to 5 of 16 shooting and not giving him a ton of space around screens. He did a pretty good job on J.J. Redick against Philadelphia, uh, and he'll have a nice test with Jamal Murray and Gary Harris on Wednesday night. Eric, what's your what's your pulse on Norman Powell right now? Are you worried about the offensive struggles and some of the decision-making? Are you just glad that he's bringing it defensively? Where are you at with Norman Powell right now? Yeah, I'm not terribly worried. I mean, this player has been... In, in, he hasn't played a full season as a rotation piece yet. Uh, and now to be thrown in as a starter, and you know, in that starting group, he's pretty much you know the fourth or fifth option. It's a tricky place to to put a player with little experience, and I would suspect at some point we're going to see him coming off the bench and not as a starter. I'm not saying that's imminent, but I'm saying, you know, the situation is, to use the NBA's favorite word, too fluid for it to not change at some point. Um, what has been impressive is that defense. Again, this is like basic level cliche stuff, but don't let your offense to dictate your defense is... You know, it's one of the first things that Dwayne Casey said when he arrived in Toronto, pretty much, as he was trying to get the 30th-ranked defensive team to middle of the pack. And for him to be able to do that, he's, you know, chasing McCollum around for a whole night is not fun. They, You know, they set tons of screens for him, and uh, you run into Yusuf Nurkic a lot, you run into Ed Davis a lot, and he did a great job at hounding him. And uh, 
and even Lillard when he was on him. So, uh, I, you know, they say defense is more controllable than, than offense. I don't know if they say that. I just made a sweeping generalization that I don't even know if it's true. But you can, you know, as an effort level and intelligence level thing, it's more controllable. Uh, and Norman Powell's doing a great job on that end. And I think the offense will regress to the mean for him. Well, that's that's what they have to hope. And, and, you know, there is an argument, and you and Sarah have both made it, for Norman Powell moving to the bench and C.J. Miles joining the starters. Um, I, I think it's probably a little too early for them to explore that since uh, they've only had their actual starters for three halves so far this season. Um, I know that a lot of people want to tweak things quickly, and this is something the Raptors ran into last year a lot with um, starting lineups changing a ton. But we still haven't seen – we've seen three halves. Willard Jabaka and Jonas Valanciunas out there. And that starting five had never really played together much the year before either. So um, a little bit of time necessary once everyone comes back. Speaking of everyone coming back, Serge Ibaka and Jonas Valanciunas are both listed as questionable on Wednesday's game notes. Eric Smith of Sportsnet had reported they were probable from Tuesday. So if you want to ratchet up your expectations even higher for Wednesday nights against Denver, uh, more power to you. Serge Ibaka dealing with some knee swelling. Jonas Valanciunas with a sprained left ankle that's cost him four games now. Eric, if we work under the assumption that Serge Ibaka and Jonas Valanciunas return on Wednesday night, or even if not, they will return at some point, what are we looking at here in the front court rotation? Because Pascal Siakam is coming off three very strong games and was out of the rotation with these injuries struck. Jakob Pertl has done absolutely nothing to lose his backup center job and has maybe been the team's best defensive player through six games. Lucas Nogueira is coming off the game of his life, and OJ Ananobi... Uh, who I mentioned earlier has a 91.7 defensive rating and has been, whether it's with Pirtle or with Noguera, basically impossible to score uh, against when he's on the floor. You know, you now have six frontcourt guys who have a claim to playing time. What do you What do you do if you're put on your dad hat and throw in the halls right now, Eric? You're Dwayne Casey. What is your frontcourt rotation? Remember when we were worrying that there weren't two enough guys up front? Those were. Those were the days. I mean, I don't think we worried about that at center, but definitely at the power forward position uh, when... Power type position, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Siakam, maybe we all slept on him, and, and given the way he finished last year, he had dominated at Summer League, that's probably on us for not anticipating him to be ready for a kind of backup role, especially after he started 38 games last year. Uh, but OG had a schedule a little bit, and then we were even thinking, you know, what if Bruno or Alfonso McKinney has to... But yeah, so so you're Dwayne Casey, hats yeah. on high on your head. What, what do you... Uh, you got your north over everything... That doesn't quite fit. What's going on with your front court? Well, what I predict will happen is it will be very similar to how it was before the injuries. I think Lucas Nogueira will probably find himself out of the rotation. I think Pascal Siakam will find himself wanting for minutes. Dwayne Casey, I think, believes in letting guys lose or gain their jobs on their own merits. And uh, it's not like you know, it's one game from Lucas Nguera, and, you know, I'm a big believer, I'm not big, but I, I believe in him, I'm a really good player, but we've seen this before, and we've seen Dwayne Casey, you know, lose faith in him before, and as you mentioned, Pirtle has been really good, like, really solid in that spot, and he is going to keep playing, in my mind, uh, and Siakam, it's either, you know, there's sort of only room for one of him and OG, and OG hasn't done anything except not hit his three-pointers, which you can say about everybody on the team, to to, uh, to warrant losing that spot. So I think more or less, he, Dwayne Casey will return to uh, 
where we were before the injuries. Uh, but uh, it's certainly comforting to know that what's behind them, and it's a long season, but what's behind the starters and what's behind, you know, if OG Anobi hits the rookie wall at some point, which seems likely uh, if if uh, one of Valanchunas or Pirtle goes down, like this team has legitimate options up there. Three players right now, three centers, averaging at least 14.5 points and 13 rebounds uh, per 36. So, you know, the biggest the biggest concern when Valanciunas goes down is the rebounding. And the Raptors haven't been terrific there. Of course, they rank 16th on the offensive glass, 12th on the defensive glass. But when you've been without, your, without an elite rebounder for four and a half of those six games and your average on the glass still speaks a lot to the job Pirtle and Nogueira have done uh, and Siakam a little bit because really this team doesn't have a lot of rebounding otherwise like Kyle Lowry is next on the team in, in rebounds 36 uh, Serge Ibaka not interested in grabbing a lot of rebounds um, and then their wings haven't rebounded particularly well that's an area where um, DeMar DeRozan's down Norman Powell hasn't given a lot one question for you uh, as a follow-up to the front court you said there's probably not enough time or not enough space for both Ananobi and Siakam Fred VanVleet has played in all six games. He's played 70 minutes total, so about 11 and a half minutes a game. Uh, and I know the Raptors love to have two point guards in the second unit. They like playing DeLon Wright on the wing and having Fred uh, on defense and having Fred VanVleet spot up around him on the offensive end a little bit. Uh, and VanVleet has been VanVleet is better than his numbers so far suggest. He's had a lot of trouble finishing. He he hasn't hit his threes. He's shooting just 25% from the floor. He's better than that, but. While Van Vliet works through this and with the other guys playing so well, could you see Dwayne Casey supersizing his second unit and going with uh, shifting Ananobi to more of a natural small forward position and going DeLon Wright, uh, Miles, Ananobi, Siakam, where they could switch a lot of stuff to four uh, and then Pirtle at the five. And, and that's a really switchy lineup where, you know, there's not a lot of shot creation, but nobody is going to score against that second unit. No opposing bench. Eh? Yeah, like they could just win every six minute stretch like four to nothing and it'll be great that model works great against portland in the second quarter they went on a 10-0 run that took like five minutes <laughs> um i can see it happening i don't think it's happening on wednesday night i um and i think we also have to remember how much about of this is about keeping kyle lowry fresh as well he's down about three minutes per game from last year which is good but uh i rejoice I, yeah um I'd be interested to see it, just because I don't know how DeLon Wright would do as the only ball handler. And it's something we're going to have to find out a bit more about. Um, find out, find a bit more. Oh, God, I can't speak. We're going to have to you learn more about DeLon Wright as a lead guard. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, just end the podcast now. Um, so I think it's an option. I don't think it's imminent. I think it would be a more intriguing look if Norm Powell were in that second unit because he is, no... that is true. Um, so maybe it's, you know, Powell, Miles, OG, and a center, but then you're defeating uh, what you have going for you on the defensive end to a certain extent. Not that Norm Powell is not a capable defender because we've already talked about how he is. Uh, so by the way, sorry, I, think... I, I called, I referred to Norm. I kind of undersold his said You'd have no shooter. He's only shooting 27.8 on threes so far, five of 18. Uh, he's still at 34.6 for his career. Uh, but because so much of that, you know, he shot over 40% as a rookie, 
and 32% last year. I'm a little concerned about where the three-point shot is going to stabilize at. What, you know, we know three-point shooting doesn't stabilize until about 700 attempts, and he's only at 280, so uh, a lot of noise there still. Maybe a minor concern. Sorry, uh, continue with Powell in the bench. Are you saying he's Landry Fields? No, I'm just saying that, you know, we don't, the fact that he was really good as a rookie was super encouraging, and we know how hard he works. Uh, we don't know for sure that it's going to be an average. We don't know, but I think what history has shown him is that he tends to hit open three-pointers, and he tends to miss contested ones. Like, he's not a great three-point shooter. Whereas but... DeLon Wright is uh, the opposite so far. I think before Monday's game, he was one of 13 on wide-open threes. Yeah, that's... Uh... I think I could hit one of 13. Mm, maybe. Not on an NBA uh, court. I mean, like, if I if we went to a gym yeah. right now. Well, or NBA players defending you? Well, maybe, like, closing out, but I'm wide open. No one's within... Yeah, but, like, there's a 6'6 dude coming flying at you to, like, even if he's five feet away, that's going to be more imposing than you're used to. No fear. <laughs> um, so, yeah, not sure about whether that lineup uh, gets a chance soon. Uh, I do think it's worth a look at some point, uh, and hopefully, I mean, look, the Raptors have options, and it's a nice place to be. Yeah, and I'm going to write about the front court logjam a little bit more uh, on Wednesday. So if you want to see that fleshed out a little bit more on what rotations could look like or what that situation could look like, head on over to theathletic.com slash Toronto. Uh, if you're not already subscribing, do that, because Eric does great work. And once in a while, I write there. Twice in a while. Twice in a while. Eric, do you have anything coming today? Do you have some stuff from G League Media Day? I do. Excellent. Uh going to be writing today about uh the i believe it's called u sports now not cis yes, i gotta uh, stop calling it cis i think like even in the questions people were calling it cis yesterday so it's uh it's just an old habit we have to get rid of at, um, at least we've mostly got the transition from d to g league oh yes uh g no hyphen which i sort of refuse to acknowledge yeah i'm using a hyphen yeah it's i'm like, so anti-establishment uh, anyway though that like you know, if yeah, they told me to use a hyphen, I would use it. I'm. You can't control me, NBA G. You're such a badass, Blake. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so I'll be writing about uh, them, uh, Aaron Best, and, uh, oh, God. Hazen Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I mean, nobody has watched more Raptors 905 minutes than Blake Murphy over the years. Like, do you think you have Tolzman beat? Um, I don't know. I have literally watched every 905 game, whether live or, like, caught up on a stream after the um, if yeah. I, I would I would imagine Tolzman if he's on the road or whatever still like fires it up and has it on in the background but I've watched every one so. yeah I'd be interested in a and I alone would be interested in like a Raptors 905 trivia contest between you and Dan Tolzman yeah um, I mean he he would almost definitely win he is a lot more invested in the 905 than I do Here, wow. here's a quick trivia for you Eric who's their all-time leading Bruno no Axel oh yeah Parts of two seasons. Sorry, Bruno. Yeah. Is Bruno second? Or is he... Uh, he might even be third. I think Scott Suggs scored enough points. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is riveting stuff. Well, here, here's a uh, question for you, Eric. I, I have my own feelings on the answer, and I think we've gotten the same kind of vibe from around the Toronto Raptors, not the Raptors 905. Uh, do you see... We talked about the frontcourt logjam and how some of these guys might be out of the rotation. Uh, I look at the roster and the experience that guys have and where everyone is in their development. I don't really see anyone other than Alfonso McKinney maybe going on assignment, at least in the early part of the year. Uh, do you do you feel differently? Well, I can't see who that would be. Like, unless Bruno wants to, and he's not 
He's not eligible, or he has to accept. He, uh, him and the union have to approve an assignment. And the indication uh, at the start at in the off season was that Bruno was done in the G League. Now, whether OG's return to health and how good Pascal's looked and, and other factors make the team and player change their mind on that, uh, we'll see. Yeah, uh, right now he's the only guy, right? Alfonso. Like they sort of, uh, other than Alfonso and 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 Bruno, if he chooses to accept that and the union, uh, like. Everybody else is sort of necessary at the moment. Now, I can see a scenario in which, you know, Siakam maybe goes down, or if OG's struggling and Siakam surpasses him, he goes down uh, for a few games just to get some confidence back and to get some love from Coach Stack. But uh, not early in the season. I I just don't see it right now. Yeah, and I don't, even with Siakam, like, I I would understand it if they did because you want guys getting run and, like, for him to go down there and get 35 minutes or whatever. But he was, like, he was so dominant at that level last year that, like, I don't, he, he certainly doesn't have anything to prove. It would simply be to to keep him in shape. OG, you can maybe make a more of a case for. I think he's topped out at 22 minutes so far. And I'm not sure if the fact that he got pulled with a minute and a half left in the Portland game uh, makes me think maybe he's still working with the minutes restriction he had in the preseason. Um, so if that's the case, and if, like you said, Siaka moves ahead of him at any point, I don't think there. I don't think it would hurt for Ananobi to go down and be playing 30 minutes a game and uh, get more touches in the offense and stuff. But if he keeps playing the way he has, uh, there's not going to be an impetus to do that. So. Exactly. As things stand right now, I don't see it. But we're six games through an 82 game season. So if the question is, do I see this happening early? Happening early? No. But could it happen in you know mid December? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. And there was. Like, even if a guy is close to the rotation, there was an instance last year, for example, where Jakob Pertl went down for one game because the team had just come off this road trip, this big six-game West Coast trip, and he basically hadn't practiced because and he wasn't yeah. playing in games. So there, there are situations like that, and, you know, the, the Raptors probably wouldn't consider sending Fred Van Vliet down because, like, he's a little advanced for the G League and they like keeping point guards, uh, but he's another guy that's eligible. I don't think he'd have much business being down there. I don't think that's going to happen. They're not going to risk an injury uh, unless they have Lorenzo Brown up, up at the time. Uh, they're not going to risk an injury and being down to one point guard in any game. Yeah, that's the and they they play two point guards so much and carry three. Like I, I actually think it's probably more likely that Lorenzo Brown is on the roster while everyone's healthy and they have four point guards than that they send one down. Yeah, probably. All right, um, that's probably all the G cares to hear about, but we were at media day, so I figured we should talk about it a little bit. You'll be getting more throughout the year, yeah. because look, a bunch of those guys who were there last year are contributing this year, and that's not to say it's going to keep happening that way, but it is not insignificant. And if you, look, if there's something about the 905 that you're curious about, whether it's a certain player, a story, how things operate, feel free always to hit me up on Twitter and let me know, because... I'll write whatever 905 story people want to read. I'm there all the time, and there are, you know, I don't know necessarily what people are interested in hearing about. I've told the McKinney story. I've told the Meek story. But if, if there's anything you want to hear or read about from 905, hit me up. I'm, I'm happy to. That goes for the Raptors, too, really. If there's anything that you want to read, um, let me know. I'm nothing if not here for you guys. Eric's got yeah. Eric's got to do the day-to-day. I can write about what I want for the I don't have to do the day to the day. I'm also open to your suggestions and interests. I didn't, uh, I didn't want to put that on you. I yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. But at The Athletic, uh, we basically want to write what you want to read. Uh, and hopefully I want to write it, too. Yeah, and really, it's probably...
probably in. Uh, Eric, one more Raptors question, change. The ball movement so far, and I wrote about, I, I broke down the numbers of the changes in terms of passing and assist opportunity uh, the other day before the Portland game. Things are encouraging. One thing that I noticed as I was going through this and didn't include in the piece, DeMar DeRozan has a 29.7% usage rate. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, usage rate is the percentage of a team's possessions you use via field goal attempts, free throws, or turnovers. That's down for DeRozan. Kyle Lowry is under 20% at 19.6. That would be his lowest since his second to last year in Houston. Um, obviously, he, was at a, he was at about 24 last year, right? Yeah, and, and DeRozan was around 33, 34, I think, which is a, a very high usage rate league-wide. Um, so the average player will have 20 because there's 100% of possessions to go around. The Raptors are incredibly even. 10 players are between 15 and 20% given a ra- uh, within a, a decimal point or two. Um, are you surprised to the degree to which possessions are being shared, particularly with Lowry seeing a below-average use? The Raptors are socialists. That's the only conclusion I can make. They believe in an even distribution of the ball, and they could not be practicing it more. Um, ESPN headlines. You know, The, the yeah. other day we saw Raptors lead NBA with seven international players. What you don't know, Raptors also lead NBA in Eastern European political ideology. Masai Ujiri, he's he's up to something here. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that it's gotten that it's been this drastic, this fast, uh, kind of. And I don't think it's going to end there either. I think of course Lowry's going to end up above twenty. It would be insane if he didn't. Uh, I think Ibaka will probably too, and we'll see about Giannis. Uh, he's doing some interesting things in the three halves. He's been healthy, um, but. I, I think you're going to see a bit more of a normal pecking order type distribution. But the idea was to create more assisted baskets. And that means the players who have the ball more often have to pass it. Because um, uh, it's, it's not like DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry are spending that much less time with the ball. I mean, you know, by virtue of passing, they are. But by virtue of, like, initiating the offense, they are not. Uh, so I think... You know, maybe the Raptors start hitting some threes. Maybe the defense starts changing, and they do. They can. They look at the odds and look at the math and look at the situation and operate differently. And I suspect that you know that uh, a few of those players will creep up and a few of them will creep down. But it certainly goes along with what we've been talking about all training camp. And I think you know you'd rather them be you know maybe erring on this side of the equation not to say it's an error but if they are you'd rather them being erring on this side of the equation than the other one i agree uh eric do you have any any parting shots here we're not even going to make you talk about tv because caitlin's coming on for riverdale recently yeah i haven't watched riverdale this week uh i feel fine about it how dare you <laughs> i honestly feel though that this week's episode would be the perfect one to leave off on like watch watch the episode from that week and then never watch it again because the ending would be just perfect for like, no, I'm out. Oh, now I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, you should watch it. And then never watch it again if it'll be causing you that much pain. It's not. <laughs> Other things are causing me pain. Uh, I don't think I have any parting shots. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens when Valentinus and Ibaka come back. Uh, the one thing we didn't talk about, uh, the last game, he, I don't know if it was the Lakers game or the Golden State game. But Serge Ibaka was making some semi-advanced passes, um, and he was sort of the biggest question mark about this uh, change in offensive culture. Uh, and 
he, it's not like he's the best passer on the team all of a sudden, but he was doing some things within the context of the offense that I have to assume Dwayne Casey, Nick Nurse, and company were pleased about. So let's see where he picks up. Yeah, consider me skeptical that that's going to be a long-term change. I, I'm going to have to see a lot, a lot more. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there were some glimpses. Uh, one other parting shot. Uh, a huge failure of the Toronto Raptors should obviously to not get this kind of production out of the guy while he was here. Uh, James Johnson, eat your heart out because this is the James Johnson situation turned up to a thousand. Jared Sullinger, his line from a game in China yesterday, 46 points, 25 rebounds, seven assists. Always like if you're out of the league, go play in China. Yeah. Especially if you're like, a big man. Yeah. Like you remember like what, uh, who am I thinking of? Beasley was dominant. Yeah, um, but Beasley's uh, a superstar. Beasley, the, the New York Knicks traded Carmelo Anthony away to get Michael Beasley a, a bigger opportunity. Uh, He's the eleven percenter, Eric. How, how dare? <laughs> uh, the one he has always deserved. Uh, he uh, needs that opportunity. I, I think the the history of former NBA players and players who would become NBA players again, dominating in China, is not. Uh, it's not a thin book, the history, the textbook on that. There, there, there will be some entries. All right. Michael Beasley and Jared Sollinger is a good place to, any, to leave this off. Uh, Eric, thanks so much. We'll be back after this. Riverdale, Reasonless. See you guys. Sorry for the audio. Riverdale, 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 Riverdale. Hey, welcome back to the Riverdale, Reasonless section of the podcast. Joining me now, as she will, every week while we have Riverdale, or until Dom uh, elbows her out of this spot, Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm pretty well. Uh, I am doing better now that I've had a couple of days to process the end of the last Riverdale episode. And the start so of me... it. Pardon? And also the start of it. Can we... Yeah, so let me... I guess we should start at the start because we totally called that the murders wouldn't be murders. I know. And... <laughs> I was laughing so hard when I saw that because I was like, well... I thought they'd be dead, but I guess there's a chance because this is a teen show that they survive being shot at. So this guy's now one for four in murders. And we should note that his most successful murder weapon is a cello bow as opposed to a gun. Yeah, also the fact that I was thinking about it. So we, we talked last week about how Midge and Moose being killed seemingly randomly took the, you know, it kind of ended the idea that it was about Archie yeah. with the Fred and Miss Grundy thread. But why didn't the guy kill Archie then? Why did he just hold a gun to him and let him live? I don't know. I guess, well, now we know, if we go forward into the episode, is that it's this guy who is after Riverdale residents or former residents that are sinners. Like, isn't that the whole thing that came out of the letter? So... I mean, Archie's not that great of a dude, so I'm sure he's yeah. he's sin. He's literally the worst. He yeah, I mean, he's like treated his girlfriends really poorly in throughout the entire series. So uh, and Fred Andrews is a saint. Yeah, exactly. This is odd. This is uh, anyway. We should talk about the end of the episode more than the start. Uh, my main question for you about the end of the episode, Caitlin, is what the hell? <laughs> that was, like, the most cringeworthy thing I may have, like, ever watched on this show. Maybe not, like, ever, because I've, you know, watched some weird TV shows before, but 
what was that? Like, what, like in no way is a like this highly unsuccessful serial killer going to be intimidated by a group of like I don't even know like twelve like teenage boys and then Art with four shirts between them. Yeah, and Archie as their leader. Yeah, I don't. For anyone who does not remember or is sub, for some reason listening to this part of the podcast and doesn't watch Riverdale, the episode ended with Archie sitting in front of a camera at the urging of Veronica Lodge's dad, who is up to something here. Yeah. Um, sitting in front of a camera with 12 masked teens behind him, some of them in shirts, all of them in like pink masks, calling themselves the Red Circle and vowing to uh, get vengeance on this serial killer. It was the height of ridiculousness. Uh, I saw a couple people, you know, say, oh, well, you know, Riverdale's jumped the shark now. It hasn't. This is, this was still very Riverdale. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Where, where is this going, Caitlin? What do, well, we, what do we as viewers do from here when they've already given us a scene like this? I don't understand why, like, Archie didn't wear the mask. Like, isn't he the one that's, like, the most afraid of this murderer and has already, like, been attacked by him once? I don't really understand why he wasn't wearing a mask. I mean, I don't understand any of it. Why in the world it would be intimidating? Why? And how like, I guess they're just gonna put it out on YouTube and like hope the guy like logs on and sees it? Like, are they gonna like tweet it out? Like, How are they going to make sure he sees it? I have no idea. I assume that they're under the assumption he'll just see it online or it'll get on the news or something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he doesn't seem that technologically savvy because he... He mailed he written mailed the stuff talking, to the newspaper. Yeah, he didn't email. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think, you know, Archie doesn't always think these things through because he's the goddamn worst. Um, so the one thing I want to talk about, we won't do like a full episode review. I want to keep these segments pretty tight. But you, I think it was you that tweeted out that, you know, is Archie the worst oh, yeah. character? This was you, right? So I have, a long time ago, basically I, there's, you know, I was watching How I Met Your Mother, as a lot of people did, and then toward the end, Ted Mosby, the main character there, got so insufferable that basically now, for me, characters can fall into the Ted Mosby zone, where the main character is, like, patently unlikable, but... The story, the show's overall story arc needs to revolve around that person. So in the case of Ted, there were enough likable characters around him and uh, ancillary storylines, and it didn't really matter that much that he was the worst. We might have trouble navigating that with Archie. I don't think they can really downplay Archie's involvement. He might just continue to be the worst and take up like 50% of scenes. Yeah, and also there's not a ton of likable characters. I mean... Kevin, I liked Kevin. I mean, Jeff, he had a good episode. Yeah, he had a good episode. Betty, like, she's not very likable. Um, I sort of like Jughead's new serpent friend that I think is going yeah. to be a new um, love triangle, love interest, which I actually hope for because I find the relationships on Riverdale, which are supposed to be like a pillar of teen shows are very weak and boring. Um, I feel like they don't spend enough time on them, so I would like to see, a like, a Jughead Betty other girl, I forget her name, Tori or Tony or something like that, um, like, love triangle thing, which I think they're hinting at. Yeah, which then opens you up to go back into the Archie, Betty, Veronica love triangle that they have to revisit probably yeah, once a season. Exactly. 
Also, just to add, in terms of my least favorite lead character or main character, I tweeted this out after I tweeted out the initial question, but I think um, Rory Gilmore, towards the end of Gilmore Girls, and then definitely in the revival, she was insufferable. Okay, I've never seen Gilmore Girls, so I can't, uh, I'm not with you there. They they flip. It's like the mom and the daughter. Sometimes the mom is more insufferable, and sometimes the daughter's more insufferable, but you obviously can't have the show without them. Yeah, Dawson Dawson and Dawson's Creek had, like, a little stretch at some point, too, where he he was very similar. Yeah, but... Here's the thing, main characters are bad. Yeah. Well, if you spent 50 or 60% of the show on screen, um, and it's all about your teen angst, it probably is going to grow tiresome and will like the characters who are on screen being teen angsty less often, a little more, maybe. So, to ask you to wrap this up, do you have any predictions any further on the masked, green-eyed man? Because we got a few more hints. No, I don't. I uh, I kind of reached the point with Jason Blossom last season where I was trying to figure out other things instead of who shot him because I figured they would just go in a weird direction we would have no way of predicting. So I kind of think that that's what they're going to do again here and like the Archie threads and then it being Moose and Midge. Like it's, there are definitely some red herrings hanging out here. Um, so I've been focusing my attention on other things like who Reggie's supplier is, um, where, why Hiram Lodge is getting Archie to do this stuff. And is it so he can take attention off things where, so he's kind of the drug supply and no one's paying attention to it? I don't know what's going on. I don't I don't have any good theories yet, four episodes in. Yeah, I don't either. But something's up with Veronica's mom as well. She's acting more, like, harsh than usual. Yeah, I don't... I mean, she's in a... She's in an unenviable spot, right? Yes. No, I mean, I, I feel for her, but I just found the way she was like teasing um veronica was so strange because the last season they were like they were like riverdale gilmore girls like they were like happy mom and daughter like and then this season i know the situation has changed and the dad obviously um changes the dynamic of the family but it was such a strange flip that she's now like acting as if veronica her daughter is her enemy um, and they're kind of competing for attention from the dad. Um, here, here, uh, I don't know. I just found it very weird. I think something's up. Something's up with the mom, maybe even separately from the dad. Yeah. And there's, there, there's still the whole unresolved her and Fred Andrews thing. There's a lot to come. One thing I'm going to say for sure, as we wrap this up is next week in this space, we will make, we won't just, talk ourselves in circles we're actually gonna make some some guesses next week we'll be almost halfway into the season so we're gonna put ourselves on the spot okay i'll get ready prediction time all right caitlin uh thank you so much for coming on we'll talk to you next week okay thank you see ya